Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. And when I learned to not blame others and took responsibility for my actions, become the pilot of my life, not the passenger. So I was in control. I felt much better and I acted and behaved better. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors, find out more about their stories, mindset and strategy. I'm Tyrone Shum. And in this episode, we continue the conversation with property strategist and advisor Michael Yarni. As one of the most influential educators in property investing throughout Australia, we'll talk about how to think like a rich person and the steps of his strategy for buying the best investment grade property. When making his first investment into property, Yanni's way of thinking held him back. He's come to believe that in developing his mindset and making the time and effort to invest in his headspace is of utmost importance. When I first invested in property, I had a desire, I had a drive, I had a dream and so therefore, I believed that I had the right mindset at the time. The trouble is that your mindset is... uh, Well, you're not born knowing how to do money. You learn that from the people around you and your early mentors tend to be in general your parents. So your learning and the conditioning you have as a child will only get you that far. So it did get me to a certain level. But Taran, unless I changed my what I call wealth operating system, the way I think and feel and deal with money, um, I wouldn't have got to the level I am today. Can I explain what I mean by that? I believe if you took all the money in the world and distributed it evenly, it would be back in the same proportions again in four or five years' time. Would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, the old story of the people who win the lottery and all of a sudden uh, they lose it after five or six years' time. So if you suddenly become wealthy or you get an inheritance or you get a bonus and you don't grow to the level of your wealth, you're more likely to lose it. So I had the initial mindset to get to a particular level. But I didn't recognize the importance of that. I didn't know any of that sort of stuff. It was only later on in life when I had was introduced to the concept of personal development that you can't 
outgrow. You can't become wealthier than your personal growth. But the fact is that you can change and you can do things differently and you can learn. So one of my early mentors was Jim Rowan and somebody that I never met personally, but I bought his in those days. It was CDs. Sorry, it was tapes. It was even before CDs. And I listened to this master teach me about how to become a better person, how to learn to uh, grow myself into a, a bigger, wealthier person by thinking differently and by doing things differently. So my mindset still grows and still changes. Once a year, for five days, I get together with 50 people at Wealth Retreat on the Gold Coast. And a lot of it has, most of those people are already out of the rat race, very high net worth, wealthy individuals, business people and entrepreneurs. And we spend four or five days talking about um, how to become wealthy. And while the element of it is tax and finance and structures and property, a huge portion of it is headspace and mindset. So every year, I personally also go through upscaling and upgrading the way I think about things because I want to keep growing, Tyron. So, how do you keep growing? Yanni explains that to change and implement your own wealth operating system requires assimilating rich habits. We all have a way of thinking about things and nobody wants to think illogically. So, the way average people think, the what average people do is very different to the way the wealthy people do this. And that's why the rich keep getting richer. It's because of their money habits. In fact, my last book, Rich Habits, Poor Habits, uh, with Tom Corley is now a bestseller internationally. It's doing really well in America and uh, in the United Kingdom as well. And Tom, uh, who's a CPA, spent five years studying 250 wealthy people and 183 poor people and working out what their habits were. Similarly, I've gone through uh, teaching over 2,000 people over the last decade in my mentorship program. And we actually worked out that the wealthy people don't have anything different to invest in. It's either businesses or shares or property. So they don't do different things. They just do things in a certain way. They think in a certain way and they have more habits, rich habits. Early in life, they have habits of money habits that get them there, including delayed gratification, learning to save and invest and then build an asset base. You'll find that wealthy people hang around other people who are wealthy also. Taryn, I'm sure you've heard it said that you become like the five people you hang around the most. So if you hang around whingers and complainers and people who don't save and spend all their money, you're likely to be like them. So to answer your question of how to get started early is educate yourself about financial fluency and get some mentors to drag you up with them and become like them. Australia is one of the wealthiest countries in the world. So why is it that many people never get out of the rat race? At all of my seminars, I actually ask, hands up anyone who's got multimillionaire parents. And occasionally you'll find somebody who puts their hands up. And I say, don't you think that the conversations around their kitchen table were different to the conversations around my kitchen table where my parents used to argue and fight every month when the budget didn't meet and there wasn't enough money to, to, to pay the bills? And so that made me angry about money. That made me resentful for what was going on. And so I rebelled. Uh, while other people, my sister is the opposite. She's actually become very much like my parents and very 
concerned about money and very conservative. So different people respond to those things early in the piece. So a lot of us have had poor education about money. The system doesn't teach you. The schools don't teach you. Different cultures, different religions handle money differently also. So to answer your question, why most of us don't get out of the rat race is they don't know how to. They've got bad habits. They've got bad money habits. And again, that's the basis of rich habits, poor habits, where we all have empowering beliefs, empowering habits, and disempowering habits. So we're driving around with one foot on the brake and one foot on the accelerator. And what do you think about the most you become in many ways? So it's really that if you continuously think about the the poor money habits, you're not going to become wealthy. So it's important to, first of all, recognize. First step is to recognize what's not working. Then you've got to recognize those disempowering habits, such as spending more than you earn, such as gambling, such as wasting a lot of time on Facebook and Twitter rather than educating yourself, such as not looking after your health, um, such as not uh, getting a steady income. So you replace one by one, slowly, you can't do it all at once, the disempowering habits with empowering habits. And this is so important because just like we learn from our parents, Many of the people listening to your podcast, Tyron, will be parents or are parents, and we are the role model of our – we talk about mentors. We've spoken about mentors in the last session on this one. For our kids, we are their best mentors. They're only mentors for most of their life, most of those formative years. So this is such an important lesson for us as adults and for us as parents and grandparents. Talking about his personal finance book, Rich Habits, Poor Habits, he explains what sets it apart from other books on the market. If I wanted to find uh, a marriage counsellor, and my marriage is very, very happy, I'm not only suggesting it as an example, then I would want somebody not just who's read the, written the book, but somebody who is happy in their marriage and uh, lived for it together for a long time and uh, uh, blissfully comfortable. So you actually got to get it from people who've actually done it. So what Rich Habits, Poor Habits has done, and also my guide to getting rich, is actually not just outline the special money education that the wealthy have got that the average person doesn't have. But more importantly, it gives a blueprint of what you should do by people who've actually done it and kept it and achieved it. Um, And I guess the results are that over the years, I personally have educated more successful investors than anyone else in Australia. And we've been involved in over $2 billion worth of transactions for clients. Must have picked up something along the way from there. My first book was How to Grow a Multi-Million Dollar Property Portfolio in Your Spare Time. And that was written in 2006. And it's become the classic on most investors' bookshelves. It's one of the most um, sold. A lot of people give their books away. This is one of the most sold books in Australian property history and become the classic. And last year, it had the 10th anniversary edition. Um, I also wrote a book on how to uh, buying and selling your home. Um, There's been one that's just out of print recently that we're doing again on uh, what every property investor needs to know about finance, tax, and the law. And when I first started this, I thought, how much more can you write about property? And then I wrote The Rules of Property, which was different all over again. Investing Successfully is a book that's uh, about money, shares, personal finance, but I've always wanted to write something on the psychology of success and Rich Habits, Poor Habits was only last week written up in Forbes magazine as being a top 
book as well. So that's why it's going gangbusters in the United States. And you can find out all about these at michaelyardneybooks.com.au. Yardney's inspiration to write these books was to give back to the community and create a better world for future generations. I believe that once you got to a particular level, it's an obligation to give something back. Um, So I ruined the first half of my life chasing money and chasing the wrong thing because I was angry and cross because of my childhood. When I actually found a useful purpose for money, such as contribution and giving back, uh, we've run a charity ball a couple of times, Pam, my wife, we're running another one next year, that'll be the third charity ball, giving back to, 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 to charity and to the community is important. And giving back in the way I'm learning, the things I've learned, because I've coming from an abundant mind space, having learned that the fact that I'm wealthy doesn't stop other people from doing it. And rather than dragging people down to the lowest common denominator, I believe if we can make everyone wealthier and make more money go around, it's going to make the world a better place for my children and grandchildren. So I believe it's my obligation to teach people this. When creating financial freedom, it is vital to develop a strategy. However, with such an abundance of information, it is difficult to gauge what steps to implement. Yarni explains the nuts and bolts of his own property investment strategy. My property investment strategy has changed over the years. To be honest, I didn't have a strategy when I started. I bought close to where I lived, as I said in the last episode, uh, close to where I uh, went to school. I knew no better, I knew no different. And then I started getting all this information and research which suddenly became available. And that was also very useful. But today, I think investors uh, are played with too much potential research. There's too many things going on and it's hard to get perspective. Um, So I now research differently to what I used to and differently to most people. So when you get all the information on the internet and the magazines, it talks about what happened in the past. I'm now looking at what's going on in the future and since I've done that, it's changed my investment results and those of my clients considerably. Because Tyron, what I'm looking at is what sort of properties are going to be in continual strong demand in the future and this has so much to do with demographics. I'm very comfortable that Australian property values are going to keep increasing for two main reasons. Number one, it has to do with population growth And number two, it has to do with demographics. So property values increase because there are more people wanting them. And it's not just population growth, but household formation. But you also need people who can afford to live there. So it's not just buying anywhere, but it's where people have got higher disposable income. And then it also has, in the short term, to do with uh, supply and demand and what's going on. But that's a short-term thing. More importantly is location and the people that live there. So I use a top-down approach because, in my opinion, position, location, does about 80% of the heavy lifting on your property's performance and about 20% of it is the property in that location. So we use a top-down approach. How's the economy doing? Is it a good time? Because sometimes in the economy, economic cycle, you just don't get involved. The next step is then which states are likely to outperform the averages. And I believe Sydney and Melbourne or uh, not even the states, it's the capital cities, have decoupled from the rest of Australia. So the majority of the economic growth, the population growth, the wages growth is in our capital cities and in particular 
most of the jobs, two-thirds of the jobs being created in Melbourne and Sydney, that's where most of the migrants are going. Two-thirds of all the migrants, which is driving up our population, is going to Melbourne and Sydney. Then about uh, Queensland comes a third uh, uh, third runner. And only 12% of the rest of the Australia gets them. Uh, 12% of the migrants go to the rest of Australia. So where are the people going to go? Then you actually look at areas that are going to outperform the averages because of the demographics, people who've got higher disposable income, and they're the ones that are going to be able to afford to and be prepared to pay to push up property values. So we stay away from those areas, the new estates, just because people are moving there. If, and it's not a judge of people, but I'm looking for areas and I'm looking forward to all the new census data that we're digging into because you can find that over the last census period, the one just gone – Wages went up on average about 16% over the five-year period. But in some municipalities, wages went up double that. And they're the areas we're looking at because those people have got higher disposable incomes and they can pay more for their houses and be prepared to pay more. So we're drilling down from state to suburb. Then within the suburbs, the right streets. Some streets are more livable than others. And then within the streets, the right properties. And then the right price. And to me, Tyrone, prices down the bottom on purpose because you make your money when you buy the property, not by buying the right, by buying it cheaply, but you make it by buying the right property. Coming up after the break, we'll delve into Yanni's six-stranded approach to identifying investment-grade property to buy. First of all, I buy a property that has owner-occupier appeal because not that I want to sell it, but the owner-occupiers are going to buy property similar to that that push up the value of my property. How to add value to your portfolio? My concept of development is to buy, renovate, or buy, develop, refinance, and hold. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property Investory. Are you looking at buying or investing in property? Don't panic. Property is still a great investment. Is it now the time to buy, sell or hold? Find out from Australia's leading industry experts on how to take advantage of today's market. You'll learn the secrets to renovating for profit or gain the knowledge, skills and motivation to invest at the first home buyer's masterclass, plus much, much more. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, you can't miss the Sydney Property Buy Expo on the 7th, 8th and 9th of September. Use the promo code PI for a three-day free pass valued at $50. For tickets and more information, visit propertybuyexpo.com.au. Outlining how to grow a multi-million dollar property portfolio in your spare time, there are six identifying elements involved in choosing the investment-grade property to invest into. What's an investment-grade property then? I have a six-stranded approach to that. First of all, I buy a property that has owner-occupier appeal because not that I want to sell it, but the owner-occupiers are going to buy properties similar to that that push up the value of my properties. I like buying properties below their intrinsic value, so I don't want to pay a premium to buy newer off the plan. I like properties with a high loan, uh, sorry, land-to-asset ratio. I like properties with a high land-to-asset ratio because it's the land that, that goes up. But that doesn't mean it has to have a lot of land. I'd rather own a twelfth of a block of land in one of the middle suburbs of Melbourne or Sydney under an apartment building than a whole acre in the outer suburbs. 
I like buying properties with a twist, something a bit unique, special, different about them. And I like buying properties in those areas that are going to outperform, as I said, the right demographics. And the last strand to my six-stranded approach, Tyrone, is to buy a property to which I can add value so that I can manufacture some capital growth through renovations or, or development. When considering adding value to your property, it is important to base it on what you can afford as well as your goals for the future and your risk profile. And with offices in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane, we've got access to every property on the market in the East Coast, but but we actually don't have any properties for sale. So we don't sell properties to clients. We sit with them and understand where they are and our property strategies at Metropole often come from not a a real estate background, but a financial background. So they understand with economics degrees, uh, we've got CFAs, we've got CPAs to actually give a wealth advisory because that's really what people want when they want property. They want financial freedom. They want choices. They want the ability to go to work because they want to, not because they have to. So what we do is we actually take this holistic approach of where they are now, where they want to be in the future and what their risk profile is. And then we also see what their budget is because while many, many people want to become a developer, most don't have the financial capacity to. And even if they do, I wouldn't recommend the first property you buy as a development property because I think you've really got to cut your teeth on owning a property, having some ups and downs, having some vacancies, having some problems with the tenants and the property managers before you get into the deeper uh, issues of of property development. But a lot of people who can't afford the full-blown property development, because it's got to be in all those areas that we spoke about a minute ago, it can't just be anywhere. Because my concept of development is to buy renovate or buy, develop, refinance and hold. It's not to sell. You don't make enough money selling it by the time you do and pay tax and pay stamp duty on the next one that doesn't work. So you've got to buy in the best location. And if you can't afford to buy one that you can develop there, then at least buy an apartment, a townhouse, a villa unit. It doesn't have to be a house which you can renovate down the track or straight away because doing a good renovation gives you a wider appeal to a wide range of tenants. Therefore, you get better rents, you get a better socioeconomic group of tenants there, you get great depreciation allowances, and you manufacture. You get a one-off little boost in capital value. Speaking of investing within specific Australian capital cities, Yanni has made the observation that due to the services and employment opportunities, there are certain locations which have had more capital growth during the cycle. Now, interestingly, I just finished a radio a session on Canberra Radio where they asked me because of something I'd just written uh, the concept that there were only three places in this property cycle that have had real capital growth in other words capital growth beyond inflation so since the beginning of this cycle which happened in December 2010 after the last slump the property market picked up again Canberra Radio picked up the fact that I wrote that only Melbourne Sydney and Canberra have had real growth so in that cycle, in, in, in this period of time, um, uh, Melbourne um, has had 63% growth in value since December 08 till now. Um, that's real growth after inflation. Sydney, 76%. So even though Sydney property values have doubled, if you take away inflation, real values have gone up. Canberra's have gone up uh, 16%. And every other state hasn't even kept up with inflation. That's fascinating. <laughs> and these are figures from CoreLogic. Uh, so it's not my research. It was just my commentary on it that they asked about. Yanni attributes that being resilient, learning from his mentor's failures and taking action have helped him to achieve his goals. 
I think the habit of reading and learning, but not just from people's successes, but also from people's failures, because you can learn more from those. So if you wrote a book, The 15 Great uh, uh, Successes of Wealthy Entrepreneurs, people would read it. If you actually wrote a book, The, the 15 uh, uh, Worst Business Failures, you'd probably find it wouldn't end up being a bestseller. But I've learned the, the concept of when their things do go wrong, and I'm only as successful as I am because I've failed so many times in many ways in my personal life, in my business life, in, in my investment, even though I haven't made many bad investments in the last 10 years or so. I've learned the concept of having a useful belief. So I used to be a bit of a, a blamer and a victim, and that's a bad habit. That's a poor habit. Rich people take responsibility. And when I learned to not blame others and took responsibility for my actions, become the pilot of my life, not the passenger. So I was in control. I felt much better and I acted and behaved better. So when things went wrong, I rather I was allowed to be miserable for a few minutes and be angry and cross. And then I had to come up with a useful belief. Well, what's a useful belief about that? What can I learn from that to take in the future to move me forward? I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned about mindset. I have many, many mentors over the years learning the responsibility. I mean, the, the fact that there's no rich victims uh, 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 in most of those books, <clears throat> the concept of pilot of your life rather than the passenger were words I'd actually learned from one of my mentors many years ago called Roger Hamilton, who is still around, and I've learned a lot of very, very good things from him. I've been to his courses. I've done some work with him in other ways as well. Uh, and I, I, I guess he is one of the early people that transformed my life. Christopher Howard, who has uh, trained me a lot in NLP and in public speaking and in the psychology of success, was a great mentor many years ago. They were both people whose seminars and courses I attended. Um, Brian Tracy in my early days of selling uh, Jim Rowan overseas. Uh, so I've learned these things. And so look, I've learned everything from somebody, Tyron. I can't, and so I'm, I'm not very clever at coming up with original ideas. These other people I've just mentioned have. I think Roger Hamilton's come up with some very clever, unique concepts. So all I've done is I've taken them from other people and mixed them and blended them together. But most importantly, I actually used them and took action. So I think that's the big difference between why I'm successful and some people aren't because I've actually taken them and I've had a go. And if it hasn't worked, I've just got up one more time. Another excellent resource is Yardnit's podcast, which he recommends to those who are looking for information on personal finance and investing in property. I'm most excited about my new podcast that was released the day we were recording about an hour ago. Um, and, and there was a, a, a michaelyardneypodcast.com and it was something that a lot of people said to me, Michael, you've written all these books and you've had a, a share of a, another very, very popular podcast for the last five years. Why don't you have your own podcast? And I'm having a lot of fun as I know you are, Tyrone, by actually creating those. Over the years, I've had a blog that now has 115,000 subscribers and it goes out every day and all the top Australian property experts are there. But it grew considerably as I changed 
the Property Update blog, so www.propertyupdate.com.au, to widening it into the areas of success and money, personal finance. So while it started as a property blog, um, a lot of people who want property want all those other things as well. And so the podcast is not just about property investment, but it's about success and it's about personal finance money. But I did a survey and about 2,000 people responded to my survey about what they wanted. And the number one thing was property investment information. And the number two thing was mindset and the psychology of success information. Now, that interestingly didn't surprise me, but it confirmed what the content of my blog, my podcast has to be. So it's going to be my thoughts with a few guest experts and some of my mentors and some of my mastermind group, but it's basically going to be my thoughts on property, on success, on wealth, and on the mindset of the rich and the habits of the rich. The other thing that excites me, Tyrone, is once or twice a day, I get an email from somebody I don't know, I've never met, who emails me and says, Michael, I picked up one of your books at the airport, or I read one of your things online, and it's actually helped me. It's made me think differently, or I bought a property, it's changed my life. Thank you very much. Tyrone, that is an amazing payment. That really makes my day. To find out more from Yanni, you can connect with him through propertyupdate.com.au is my daily blog and all the property experts, Andrew Wilson and Louis Christopher and Tim Lawless and Cameron Kusher and Pete Wargent and Michael Matusik all write for my blog. They want their information out there. John Linderman. I've left out a whole lot of people. Uh, so I've actually, uh, it gives me an opportunity to share property investment information with lots of people, propertyupdate.com.au. And yeah, under there, there's a, a subsection, Michael. Michael Yardney's podcast, or you can just go to michaelyardneypodcast.com and it will tell you all about that as well. Thank you to Michael Yardney, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey, then visit our website at propertyinvestory.com. Simply type in the search bar Michael Yardney and select that episode to learn more about his story. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.